couldn't believe it. They, I mean, the first thing they did, like you've just said, is um, age. What are you doing that for at your age? But I want to keep going as long as possible. It's about allocating resources in the right way, utilising the levy effectively, ensuring entry-level apprenticeships are supported. Apprenticeships originally are all about a tool of social justice and trying to give an opportunity to everybody, and we can't forget that. I've had that just desire just to push on and get to where I want to be and when this application came up I just was myself. I knew what I was capable of and what I can do. A lot more needs to be done to support small businesses particularly. We're in very much a small business economy now. You know if you've got a good company behind you, you've got a good training department who give you as much support as is humanly possible then I think you know, in all honesty, you should go for it. There are so many more pros than cons to apprenticeships. And please, please always consider it. It is totally worth it. It's actually changed my life, really. Welcome to All About Apprenticeships, brought to you by the HomeServe Foundation. I'm Georgie Frost, and welcome to National Careers Week. Just a reminder that we're now into the third series of this podcast, and we've done loads of episodes on so many different topics related to this subject. And whether you're thinking about a career change, or you're just starting out and wondering which path to take, or you're a business thinking about taking on an apprentice, there's something in there for everyone. You can find all of our episodes on the HomeServe Foundation website, or in your usual podcast places. But coming up in this episode, as we tentatively move out of the pandemic, we'll be discovering the roles that apprenticeships, in particular those in the trade sector, will play in the future of UK PLC. Shortly, I'll be speaking to John Graham, CEO of JTL, a not-for-profit charity offering advanced apprenticeships in the trade sector. But before that, here's Anna Morrison from Amazing Apprenticeships with her take on the week's big issue. Hello, my name is Anna Morrison and I'm the founder and director of Amazing Apprenticeships. Five ways that I believe apprenticeships can really help our post-pandemic economic recovery are as follows. Firstly, I think apprenticeships are a really fantastic way to look at your existing workforce and to look at who may be in a position of being able to upskill or possibly even reskill into a new area of work. I think the pandemic has made all of us as employers really look at the skills of our workforce, but also look at the development opportunities that we're giving them. Secondly, I think for employers, apprenticeships are a fantastic way to create new early talent pathways into their organisation. If you're thinking about uh, vacancies within your workforce or if you're thinking about how you can position yourself to be an employer of choice and to attract some of the best talent and potential then creating an apprenticeship pathway can be a really fantastic way to do this. Of course you can look at level two, level three entry level routes but you could also be looking at perhaps a more ambitious higher or degree apprenticeship program that could really offer an individual that progression and long-term kind of stickability with your organisation where you could move them through the different levels but also help them to see where that career development and progression could be going. Thirdly, I think for employers, looking at apprenticeships post-pandemic, we're finding a lot of employers are really taking a moment to reflect on the diversity of their workforce and the representation of their local community within their workforce. I think apprenticeships are a really fantastic way for employers to reimagine some of those traditional recruitment processes 
and think about how they might be able to utilise an apprenticeship programme to support the needs of the local community, whether that's young people or adults who are looking for opportunities for employment. I think apprenticeships post-pandemic can give you a competitive advantage, so you may be bidding for new tenders that may require adherence to the Social Value Act or even just a line in there about how you are going to create opportunities through apprenticeships and possibly pathway programmes like traineeships or supported internships to ensure that you are giving back to those who need those opportunities to be created. But finally, I also think that apprenticeships can give you the competitive advantage by ensuring that your workforce remain completely up to date with the skills that they need, the new technologies that you need as a business to enable you to hold your place in the market and be able to go for new business. Thank you to Anna, as always. So let's now speak to John Graham, CEO of JTL. Welcome, John. Uh, Tell us a little bit more, if you would, about JTL, what it does and the type of apprenticeships that it offers. Sure. Hi, Georgie, and and, and thanks for having me on today. So as you said, JTL formed about 30 years ago. We're a non-for-profit charity. Uh, We specialise in the building services engineering sector. And I guess what that means to to you and I in, in simple terms is apprenticeships and things like electrical, plumbing, heating and venting. We also do a few traineeships and we also help those that are qualified through us uh, with a little bit of continuing professional development. So uh, electricians, plumbers, all those kind of friends that we all need desperately. (laughs) Uh, And that's mostly what we do. And we've got about 8,000 of those uh, on our books in in learning. And we work with about 3,500 employers nationally. Wow. What about your own journey with apprenticeships? So I've been at JTL for coming up for seven years. And before that, I sat on the board of the Skills Funding Agency, uh, which was a sort of predecessor to the Education and Skills Funding Agency. And that's where I really got hooked into FE and uh, skills generally. Uh, I mean, many, many years ago, and I'll just say this quickly, Georgie, I trained as a chartered accountant. That was all a bit exciting being an auditor. So I left the profession uh, and I've been really involved in education and training for about the last 30 years. Um, and I now also, apart from JTL, I sit on the uh, ALP board, which is the uh, Association of Employment and Learning Providers and the Education and Training Foundation board. Fantastic. We don't have to talk about uh, anything else. The chartered. Thanks. What do you chartered accountant? Really? I could yeah. use, use your employ, employ you for some services. Um I mentioned at the start there, uh, John, about UKPLC, and I say it tentatively, uh, stepping out from under the shadow of the pandemic, let's hope. Um, How important do you see the role of apprenticeships for the economy, for our recovery, in particular trade apprenticeships? Naturally, being completely biased about this, Georgie, um, you know, for me, apprenticeships are absolutely key to the economic recovery and to, you know, as the government would say, help UK build back stronger. I mean, look, first of all, any apprenticeship, I think, is the gold standard for skills. So that goes without saying. And I think the government have over the last two years, particularly, as you rightly say, tentatively step out of the pandemic, have been talking about skills being so important part of our economic recovery. And I think when we look at trades, We bear in mind an ageing workforce, which we've got post-Brexit, and we might come back to the the, the whole B word later on in terms of skills exit. Probably an accumulation, frankly, of a lack of investment and training, particularly in in skills and trades, that I think they're going to be critical um, 
for building all the great things, you know, whether it's HS2 projects and all the other building projects that the government are talking about and the economy needs, we are going to need highly skilled tradespeople. So much underloved in some cases, uh, often shouted about because we can't get hold of our plumber or electrician or whatever, but by uh, we're going to need highly skilled people in the future. And it takes about four years for these people. I was going to say, isn't there a lag, though, yeah, between exactly. that time people get skilled up? Georgie, we need to invest today. We need to invest last week, last year, a decade back, to build some of the gaps that we have now. We do not have enough. Uh, and as I said, if you if you build in sort of ageing populations of, of trades, because this is hard work, getting up six o'clock on a cold winter January morning, you know, on a site, you know, does your knees in and everything else. So we've got to replace them and we've got to make Frankly, we've got to make this sexy. We've got to be able to get out there and talk to people about what great opportunities and actually great work. And you know, hopefully we'll, we'll cover that as we go through this afternoon. There's some fantastic stuff being done and great opportunities for particularly younger people to really build a worthwhile and, and, and actually a, a highly valued um, you know, job and profession for the future. What is the issue in terms of <laughs> making it sexy but encouraging more people young people into trades is it a an image issue is it an awareness issue is it all of the above issue i mean i think i think it's a bigger question about actually encouraging people into apprenticeships to start with because certainly if you go to schools and certainly when my grown up kids were at schools uh, you know the schools didn't really talk about apprenticeships they talked about university courses and A-levels and, and, and actually the whole thing about skills and vocational education wasn't on the agenda. And then if you compound that, I think, with, yeah, some of the image about kind of trades, because probably uh, for mums and dads and, and, and you know, guardians of, of, of younger learners, they probably just simply think of the chap or chapess that wanders around and fixes your boiler or whatever but actually the kind of work we're doing on commercial industrial buildings which is where most of our apprenticeships work and our apprentices are going around the world they're working on empire state building in new york and, and doing some brilliant jobs special effects on james bond films i mean where these traditional trades can take you if you want to go um you know in terms of engineering is fantastic so i think there is an image i think there's stuff about information advice and guidance that starts at sort of, you know, primary and secondary school where we just need to be better at to explain and also to put role models out there. I mean, there are some fantastic success stories, some brilliant opportunities out there, which we're just not shouting. Uh, you know, we're part of that journey and we're part of that team that needs to shout louder. You said chaps and then you said chapesses, but I'm wondering, is there a little bit of a idea that it's just the chaps especially when it comes to trade it's diversity an issue and i don't just mean across gender i mean all sorts if so how do we drive greater diversity in trades yeah i mean i think look traditionally trades were where white and male probably working class 
blokes went to historically. That was the, the, the sort of history to trades. But I, I do genuinely believe that there has been, over the last decade or two, a real sea change in that. And, and certainly JTL and I believe that the sector is doing its very best to improve. So, yeah, I think there has been some challenges. I think it's changing. I think the stereotype is going to take a bit longer. We're not going to be able to change that overnight. Um, but I'm getting great feedback from employers that we work with about either their female operatives, uh, their BAME operatives. Uh, I want to see more. I want to see better information, advice, and guidance at schools, as I said previously. Um, I want people to think about apprenticeships as being a form of study, not just a job, because I think there's misconceptions about that. You know, you are earning, but you are learning and developing skills still. And I think we need to put more role models out there and ambassadors to work back in communities and schools, telling their stories. We have at JTL a national ambassadorial program, both with our female and our BAME uh, apprentices, where we send them back into the schools and communities. And look, it's not always a great story, but it's a story and it needs to be told. Uh, you know, I've got kind of females that said, you know, we went on site and the small size of the protective equipment was four times larger than we needed to. So we developed a whole load of uh, personal protective equipment just for females so they would fit in you know there used to only be a gents toilet on site because they mm -hmm. didn't have females going on the site so that's clearly mm -hmm. not going to be a, a comfortable or safe place for uh, you know mums and dads to send their little princesses if that's what it needs to be so there's a lot more work that needs to be done I think the sector is changing it's absolutely keen to have a more diverse workforce but um Again, I think it's a team effort, Georgie. It's it's not there, but we are certainly getting larger numbers of female and BAME in particular. Female is still a struggle uh, in terms of applications. BAME is, is improving, but um, there's more work to be done. But th that, there has been a stereotype in the sector, no doubt about it. Can you give us, and more broadly speaking, not just diversity, you've mentioned some of the situations with JTL, but more broadly, some of your success stories? I mean, I think every time that we qualify, excuse me, every time that we qualify a tradesperson, and we qualify about 1,000, 1,500 a year, I look at that, and I think that's a fantastic journey that individual young learner has taken. Um, and I think, you know, genuinely we are sort of building futures. In some cases, we're genuinely changing lives. And I think we also celebrate annually at JTL um, great employers and, uh, you know, some of our very best apprentices where we give awards. But last year, I, I recall... Um, we gave an employer award to a company that was formed in 2007. They're called JDL, very close to JTL. but And actually, that stands for um, James, Dominic and Liam. And James, Dominic and Liam were JTL apprentices in 2007. And they met together while training at JTL. And after they qualified, they formed this company based in Yorkshire, a mechanical and electrical contractors. They've been going for 15 years. The three young electricians now very entrepreneurial. They've just bought two more businesses. They've got a dozen of their own apprentices. That's more than 25% of their workforce. They've been investing in uh, new talent over the last 15 years, ever since they saw it. And I, I sat, sat back and I thought, what a wonderful story. Three apprentices formed a really successful, highly valued, great quality electrical contracting business, taking on and investing in apprentices year after year, 
Now 25% of their workforce are apprentices. They've grown dramatically over the last 15 years. And uh, that's the kind of journey that that others can take. So um, it's a great success story. We're very proud of it. Indeed, I'm sure you are. We spoke about encouraging young people to become apprentices. You spoke there about the three lads that have become a very successful business. I mean, obviously, if you yourself were an apprentice, then naturally you can see all the benefits and you'd be very happy to take them on board. But if you don't have that background, how do we encourage more employers, more businesses, particularly in the trades, to take on apprentices? Yeah, and it it is true to say that we get many more applications um, from learners wanting to be apprentices than we do have employers that have got roles on offer. So we do need to increase that. And and look, there are a lot of myths out there about taking on apprentices. And I think some of that myth busting needs to to take place. Um, But rightly, uh, you know, particularly in the trades, these are small employers. These aren't the Rolls Royces that take on thousands. You know, of our three and a half thousand employers, about 90% of them have less than seven staff. So taking on an extra person, whether an apprentice or something else, is is pretty dramatic. And, you know, it's normally a man and a van. So it could be 50% of their workforce. So we need to explain to them that actually, first and foremost, it doesn't have to be a hassle. Uh, you know, good providers, hopefully like JTO and others, can take away some of the bureaucracy. Don't worry about some of the administration. We can, we can work with that. That actually taking on an additional skilled individual can be very profitable for the firm. So, you know, there is an economic reason for doing this, not just, you know, philanthropic, isn't it? A good thing to take on an apprentice. These are people that can actually bring in new skills, new competencies, help you expand and sustain your business going forward. So, again, this is about a joint team effort. This is more about government getting out there. They've done some great work on apprenticeships. They need to keep their foot to the ground and the pedal on that. We as providers need to be involved. I think sector bodies, uh, trade bodies need to promote more about the, the value of apprenticeships and, 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 and just get, get a big discussion uh, about apprenticeships and, and not worry um, too much about taking on because in the main, they are a fantastic way to develop and grow one's business. And I think we need to keep banging that drum. Mm. Well, in a minute, I'm going to ask you what you'd do if you were in the place of the government, but a uh, little question there, nice and easy Good. for you. Um, you. But you did mention it, so um, it's your fault, basically, that we're going to talk about the B word. Uh, what has the impact, the true impact of Brexit been on trades? Too early to tell where we're going with this, or is it we're already noticing? We're definitely already noticing. There's no mm. doubt about it. Uh, you know, it's a perfect storm now. As I said before, we've got an aging workforce. We've probably had a lack of investment. Uh, there are indexes out there already saying that over the next, by 2030, we'll have lost 22% of the European skilled workforce that have left and gone either back to their native countries or into other European destinations. We also know that we are something like 1.2 million uh, skilled labourers uh, in trades down at the moment. Uh, so I, I think, you know, Brexit has got an impact because, you know, I mean, I, I know stereotypical, we talk about the Polish plumber or whatever, but these were highly skilled individuals working on sites across the UK. And as we said, you can't replace these people overnight. It's a minimum of four years uh, skilled training to begin to develop a, a qualified operative. 
who then has to go on and gain further experience. So um, there's no doubt that Brexit has had an impact. I don't think it's solely going to be the problem, but it certainly had had an impact for Georgie, no doubt about it at all. And I imagine its full impact is still to play out. And with all of that in mind, as I promised I would ask you, we do have a relatively new apprenticeship minister. Put yourself in his shoes for just a moment. What three things would you do? What three things would you do? So this is if you the want four, you can have four, but three just seems a nice number. You're, you're kind. You must just have come back from holiday <laughs> or something. So let's think. Um, so Alex Burkhard, our, our skills minister, what would I want to do if I were him? Well, this government, first of all, talks a lot about levelling up, doesn't it? So I think if we talk about the education tapestry of schools, FE and HE, FE and vocational skills is definitely the poor relation. So I'd like to see a bit of levelling up and a bit more seamless join between the three. And I'll come back as part of my third one, if I can, and explain a bit more about that. And I think if I'm going to talk about levelling up, I'd also like to see a bit more levelling up between the FE colleges and the independent training providers. So a, a, a fair game there as well, which it's not always been. I think the second thing that government talk about, but I think have failed on numerous occasions is to simplify the system. So uh, when they have agendas of simplification, it seems to me, and certainly to smaller employers, uh, that actually there is too much bureaucracy, there's too much complexity, whether it be in funding or administration or just general engagement. So I think government need to think more about the small and micro businesses who are taking on apprentices and not actually pitch it at the sort of PLC that maybe have armies of support staff and HR who can deal with some of this stuff. So every time they create a policy, every time they create a rule, put yourself in the place of the man in the van and say, how easy is it going to be for him or her to react and deal with this? Uh, And I think the answer is not easy at all. And then I think back to my kind of levelling up, uh, there's something called the Baker Cause, which means that... um, Schools need to give access to providers and colleges to discuss non-academic routes. Um, so, you know, between about the uh, the ages of sort of year eight to 13, providers, colleges should be talking about the skills. You know, I said earlier, when I was at my kids' schools, we talked about university places and we talked about A-levels. We didn't talk about other things. And I think this Baker clause that was brought in a number of years ago has not been properly enforced. And I think if we could get better information and advice early doors for both the learners and the parents, we could see that levelling up and we could see that promotion of apprenticeships. And uh, we can start getting a little bit more excitement and let's make this a sexy topic to talk about. You know, I don't want people talking about why didn't your kid go to university? Why did they do an apprenticeship? I want everyone to be excited about the different opportunities that that everything education can, can bring, including apprenticeships. Well, thank you so much to John, the rude hullet of apprenticeships, bringing sexy back. To Anna, as always, and to you for listening to this episode of All About Apprenticeships. If you want to get in touch to have your say on anything we've been talking about today, you can find the HomeSurf Foundation on Twitter at HSV underscore foundation. Just use the hashtag All About Apprenticeships. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please do leave a rating and hit subscribe. It helps other people find us. 